Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. The actual mobile home is depreciable on the same schedule as an apartment building, but you probably, I don't think, would get the same level of depreciation since the mobile home takes up less of the land in terms of dollar amount than the compared to apartment building. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service, here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714, I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. I'm with Theo Hicks for Follow Along Friday. Theo, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Theo's got some updates I do. on his 
deals that he closed last week. We'll talk through that. We'll talk through a follow-up that a best ever listener had with mobile home stuff. So we'll talk about that. And then lastly, we will talk about some miscellaneous updates that I have. And it's not to talk about what we got going on. It's to talk about what we're experiencing so that we can benefit you as you go along in your entrepreneurial ventures. So with that being said, let's kick it off. How do we want to approach it? I want to start out by giving some updates on my three deals that I closed on. So we successfully closed last Thursday, so we go today. So that was fun. Everything at the closing table went smoothly. I guess I'll start with a couple of negative updates. And before you get into that high level, what is the deal that way? Okay, high, high level. So there's three four-unit properties. Total purchase price is six hundred sixty thousand. Twenty-five percent down payment, and the monthly rents, which I'll get into in a second because that's actually changed. But originally they were, I think, around twenty-six hundred dollars per building, and then we bought each for two twenty, so above the one percent rule. And the plan was to go in there and do a couple of updates and raise the rents to market rents because they were extremely below market rents. Okay. So I wake up on Friday with an email from one of the residents. You closed on? Thursday. You closed on Thursday. <laughs> of an image, a bunch of drywall on top of someone's car in the garage. <laughs> and so that's going to be our first improvement to the property is <laughs> <laughs> fixing the drywall in the garage, which is broken and needed to be repaired anyways. So I guess this incident will expedite that process. And so I was over there this morning with a plumber because we needed to look at some of the pipes because the reason why it fell down is because there were some leaky pipes so we're going to do some repairs there so that was exciting to, mm-hmm. to take advantage of but how much is that going to cost and what do you do in that scenario when you get the text well it'll cost about 525 for labor materials and he's going to do the drywall in the basement as well as he's going to go in the, the first floor unit and seal the tub and the toilet because when the original issue happened the previous landlord did not address it completely he kind of just did it halfway, and so fortunately, the plumber that I have, he's kind of a perfectionist, so he'll, he'll take care of the kind of the things that he missed, as well as address the actual issue. But when I get the text, I kind of just go into resourcefulness mode, and it's like, all right, like, all right so I'm responding to them. I'm going to go over there and look at the car, so I can take pictures of it, so I don't just you know send them to the call dealership by themselves, because who knows what they'll come back with, mm-hmm. trying to buy a new car at that point. <laughs> and then I figure out, okay, so here's the damage done. Who do I need to call to fix this problem? So I, you know, I call my, the plumber, contractor guy that I have, and schedule time for him, reach out to the tenants, let them know that I'm on top of it, we'll be here this day. And um, that all goes down in a matter of 10, 15 minutes. You kind of just like, the second you get that message, at least for me, I just get it out right away. Number one, I don't want to forget, but especially since it's the beginning, I, I want to kind of get up on the right foot and let them know that I'm going to be on top of these maintenance issues and not going to wait 40 hours or whatever when, mm-hmm. obviously, from their perspective, this is a pressing issue. How long did it take for the plumber to get out there? You got the text Friday morning. It actually took a week for the plumber to get out there, and so he didn't come until today, Thursday. But the positive thing, at least from my perspective and what the resident appreciated, that I was over there that day to look at everything and figure out what exactly needed to do. It's just the plumber that I used was doing a job. And it was funny because I was growing every day talking to her, and she was, like, thanking us for our quick response time, which was, for my opinion, I wish we could have gotten there, like, on Friday to address it. But she was just talking about the previous landlord and saying how, you know, for whenever something went wrong, he wouldn't address it for, like, two months. So I don't want to be a month or whatever. I want to do it as quickly as possible. But 
it was just interesting to hear from her perspective and what her expectations were and that we exceeded them from her perspective and not necessarily from mine. And how did you find the plumber? He worked on our personal residence. Okay, so you have worked with him before. Yeah, we've okay. worked with him before. Cool. Okay. So that's kind of the negative side, so to speak. But good news, and we kind of talked about this before, about how the rents were below market value. It's kind of bad news. It's frustrating. Because I've already talked about some issues we have with this with the seller and the selling agent. But I go to put the letters on the doors to you know, explain to them. I'm the new site manager, sorry. I don't say I'm the landlord. And that, you know, here's how we're going to collect rents. Please call me or email me to set it up. And I start getting the emails coming in, and they're telling me what the rents are. And they're not what I have on the leases. <laughs> they're not even close. Like, the rents that the people are actually paying are on average, like, $150 more than what <laughs> the leases say. <laughs> so, number one, I'm glad that they are telling me this because right now I'm not necessarily sure what we're going to do. Like, I've already reached out to the seller to say, hey, can you please tell us what the actual rents are? My strategy for now is whenever I'm reaching out to them, I say, can you please confirm your rent for me? And they'll $3. Tell me. Yeah, seriously. And every single time they're telling me like a number that's like $100 higher than what our lease says. I'm just like, what is going on? During due diligence, did you ask for the bank statements to match up that to the reported income? We had the bank statements and they didn't match. The bank statements were higher and I didn't even think as to why until now. Mm. I guess we'll call it a rookie mistake. But I remember we're at the closing table and we're looking at the bank statements and we're just like, these numbers don't match the lease because obviously they gave us a prorated rent for last month and they were way higher than what the leases would have said based off of the number of days it was prorated. And at the time I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. Let me get more money. And then now it's coming in like, oh, okay, the reason it's happening is because the guy either didn't update the leases. I mean, there's one that they said the, the lease that they paid 450 And so we were going to go in there and like raise the rent to 600 And then we assumed that they were going to want to leave because it's such a huge increase. And when she calls me, she tells me she's paying $600 a month. Oh, my gosh. What a huge difference in rent. Yeah. So hopefully that covers the plumbing issue for this month. I think it will. It sounds like. You got 12 and for, units. for all the units. Wow. So that could 11 be... 11 units. One of them's vacant. That could be $1,100 a month. I know. So that's exciting. That is exciting. And then we rented out the one bedroom that was vacant right away. And we got so many responses. I think we did like 10 showings. We posted on Sunday. And we rented the one bedroom out for six seventy five, mm-hmm. which is the market is like six twenty five, and we were getting six hundred for the other ones. So now we know that hey, we can get six seventy five for the one bedroom units. Wow, let's just do some math real quick. Let's see, so eleven hundred. You probably already done this times twelve months. That's thirteen thousand two hundred. Mm-hmm. What's the market cap rate over there? I think it's about a, eight. I think it's eight. Yeah. All right. By eight, it's a increased value. So I take eleven hundred times twelve divided by an eight cap. That's one hundred sixty-five thousand yeah, dollars for all three properties. So. Yeah. So yeah, one hundred sixty-five thousand. I mean, Just randomly, was that completely divided unexpected? By, how much did you buy it for? Two twenty. All in. Uh, six twenty. Uh, six sixty. Six sixty. Twenty-five percent increase in value. Yeah. Did I do that right? <laughs> wow. Well, so that's fun. Happy holidays to you. I know. (laughs) Very very unexpected. Santa came early. Congratulations. That's great. It's interesting because this past week has been, it's literally felt like it's been a month. Uh Because there's so much, I've been, there's so much action. Like I've been going to the property every single day. I went there and did, you know, some landscaping stuff. And I was talking to Marcel about it this morning. And I was like, the added responsibility, like for some people it might be stressful or annoying or fearful, but 
for me, it's like exciting. Like mm-hmm. it's like novel, it's new, and it's like a challenge. So it feels kind of like you know maybe like a sport or like a game or like I won't say gambling because gambling is kind of out of your yeah. control, but it feels good. Yeah, you're in it. You're in it. You're in the action. Yeah. So what percent down did you do? We did twenty five percent down. And you just increased value twenty five percent. You could do well, a cash out refinance yeah, so right now. <laughs> that was our down payment with uh, increase. Really? Yeah, you yeah. could do a cash out refinance right now. I know. No, I mean obviously you wouldn't, but it depends on the loan terms. But in theory, if this holds up, you just got all the money that you put down in increased value, mm-hmm. and you haven't lifted a finger. So you could, in theory, take that cash out and yeah. then put it towards something else and have zero dollars in these three properties. We plan on doing a cash out refinance and I think the calculator was like 1.6 years, so yeah. like wow. a year and a half, but that might change now based off of this. So you bought yeah. these three properties based on the old numbers and the seller never said, oh, by the way, they've increased substantially, so I want more money. So we bought the property on, I believe, so the rents actually are per month, I think it's $2,700 and that's not included the new tenant. We'll take that one out for now. And we underwrote the deal around $2,400. So I think an increase of, of $300 per building, so that'd be $900 more per month is what we got yeah. now versus what we underwrote the deals at. I've talked to a couple of the residents, and it seems like the previous landlords might have been absentee. I know they lived in the area, but I don't think they were there a lot, and I don't think they addressed a lot of maintenance. So I know, and I plan on this going into it, that the first year we're going to have a lot of these small little things, like $500 here, 100 bucks here, uh, just to get the properties in working condition. And one of the properties that we got, again, there are five total properties for sale. And the one that we didn't want to get is the one that was available. But based off the other two being in very, very good condition, we figured that there would be no issues there. And so we could take the maintenance costs from there to address the maintenance issues that we'll, we know will occur at this property. But the increases in the rent just kind of changes all that. We're going to begin to use those increases to pay for essentially yeah. everything now. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah. Uh, congrats. A lot of stuff going on in the beginning, especially in the beginning. Assuming the takeover period is going to be the majority of the work. Because you know, at the same time, we've got all these maintenance issues trying to get into a lot of tenants haven't paid us rent. We've got to make it minute we needed to fill. So when things calm down, hopefully it's just, you know, I go over there and mow the lawn once a week and trim bushes. And whenever they reach out with issues, I'll get you know, right on top of it. Cool. Nice work. So what about, from your perspective, anything new going on? Here in due diligence of our 244-unit property in Dallas, that is going well, just doing walkthroughs and getting the right inspectors on site. Let's see, Frank, my business partner, is actually in Dallas right now looking at our portfolio. Just one of us is in Dallas on average every 40 days or something. I was there two, three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and he's there now. Just to look at our stuff, and in this case, it coincides with the inspections. And then also looking at new opportunities. Best Ever Conference is coming. We are doing it again. So this will be in Denver, Colorado. The website's not up yet, and things aren't updated for the website, obviously. But it will be in Denver in February. Okay. Or late January, <laughs> early February, late January, more details to come. That's a conference where we had five-star feedback from everyone who attended. You were there. It was an amazing conference. A high-quality group of attendees, and we're going to do it even better this year. Once that is up, 
then I will let everyone know and then you can go get an early bird ticket so that you get the best value. Let's see, spoke to Neil Patel. Mm-hmm. He is an incredibly successful online marketer. Forbes names him one of the most influential online marketers and a whole lot of other accolades. And when I interviewed him, his interview will air in a week or two on a Sunday okay. because we talked about the skill set of increasing your traffic to your website. And I won't give too many spoiler alerts, but one insight that I got from that conversation is if you have less than 10,000 unique visitors a month, then you should not be focused on optimizing conversion. You should be focused on driving traffic. And if you have more than 10,000 unique visitors a month, then you should be focused on optimizing the conversions. So with any best ever listener, when you look at your website, just look at how many unique visitors you have. If it's more than 10,000, then focus on conversion. If it's less than 10,000, then focus on traffic. And does conversion mean visitors that are visiting your website or, you know, subscribing to your newsletter or leaving a review, whatever your goal or your outcome is of what, actually having the website? Exactly. Okay. What, whatever the outcome is of having the website. And one thing that he mentioned that I emailed you about and that we're implementing on our blog is the benefit of cross-linking. When we have a blog, we have to have a lot of cross-links So a link in your blog post linking to other relevant blog posts that you've done so that it keeps people around and ultimately adds more value to their experience versus a one-and-done article. And the cross-links don't even have to be links to other articles you write. It could be links to a Bigger Pockets article or an article on Tim Ferriss' blog, whatever it is. Mm The goal is to add the most value within that article, and I would suspect most of the links would be to previous blog posts you've written. That's one way that he said that you can increase your traffic and just the overall engagement on your website and helps with SEO. Yeah, I think it's very helpful for readers because like when you're writing blog posts, you want to keep them succinct, but then there's certain concepts that are kind of very complicated and would take, you know, maybe three or four paragraphs to explain. But if you talk about mm-hmm. appreciation or, you know, a specific type of appreciation in different blog posts or like, you know, cost segregation, which we're talking about today, then instead of having to explain what cost segregation is, you can just say, when you say cost segregation, link that to either your blog post or to Wikipedia or just something to explain it so that the person that knows what cost segregation means without wasting their time reading about it, but the person that doesn't know what it is can just click on the link and actually learn about it. And so I think that's why it's, from the reader's perspective, very valuable. Yep, agreed. Let's see. Speaking of blogs, we got a published in Forbes. We did, yeah. Forbes magazine. I'm not sure if it's making a magazine because it didn't come out yet, but it, it's on Forbes.com, and the title of the article is Three Ways to Thrive in Real Estate during a Trump presidency Mm -hmm. and it talks about the three fundamentals which if you're on the email list that we have then you receive the article and if not then you can go to Forbes and the article will be there just search Joe Fairless in Forbes and I'm sure it will come up lastly the two quick points one is I mentioned 
on last week's show that I do the weekly hospice visits, and I mm-hmm. am. I had my visit last Friday, and we'll do another one this Friday. And then the other thing is I've read another book since the last time there we talked. Go. I'm on fire with books now. Camino Island, it's a John Grisham book. Worst book I've ever read of his. <laughs> I'm a huge John Grisham fan. I'm obsessed with it, but by far the worst book I've read of his. But with The Whistler, which I read previous to that, is really good. And I'm reading Ninja Selling, which I highly recommend. It was referred to me by a guest, Brandon Nelson, Mm -hmm. and his episode hasn't aired yet. But he told me, and the best ever listeners, once you hear it in a month or so when the episode airs, about Ninja Selling. And it reminds me of a condensed version of Unleash the Power Within by Tony Robbins. Okay. He talks about neuro-linguistic programming. He talks about how you create value. And he talks about getting your mind right, doing gratitude, all sorts of stuff. It's like a Cliff Notes version of Unleash the Power Within. I'm not done with it. I'm about a third of the way through. But I've read enough to know mm-hmm. that it's a book I'd highly Ninja recommend. Selling. Okay. Ninja Selling. Awesome. Well, let's move on. So last week, we talked about the pros and cons of mobile park investing. And we were touching on depreciation. We wanted to kind of dig deeper into that. And we reached out to an accountant who has an understanding of, obviously, depreciation and, and, and how accounting works. I'm Coleman, so thank you for responding to us. And what he said in regards to mobile home park depreciation. I'm going to read his message if you can, can talk about well, and, it. And just for context, during our last show, we said pros and cons of apartment investing versus, I call it mobile home, but you call it mobile. I don't know. Who the hell knows? Right. <laughs> You're probably during, right. During mobile, mobile home investing, pros and cons, we listed it out and we stumbled on the tax benefits if there are any and had a listener reach out and say, yes, there are, you should talk to so-and-so. Theo talked to an accountant, and here's what the accountant said. She says, a mobile home and an apartment building are both appreciated over 27.5 years as residential real estate. The main difference comes from how you allocate your purchase price between land, land improvements, and the building. So typically when you buy an apartment, you allocate a percentage to land and the rest you allocate to the building and depreciate that over 27.5 years. You can have a cost segregation study performed there from where an engineer will break out the property into all its various depreciable lives, which will allow you to accelerate depreciation. For mobile home parks, sometimes you are acquiring both the land and homes and sometimes it's just the land where the residents own the home. So in this instance, you would allocate a portion of the purchase price to the raw land that is not depreciable, so that's key, and a portion to the land improvements, sewer, roads, water, etc., which have a shorter life, and then the mobile home itself, which have a 27.5-year life. So he would say both ways it would probably be best to have a cost segregation study done to make sure it is allocated correctly, but it sounds like mobile home investors haven't had an issue with allocating price to the land improvements. And just for reference, if you're, you're listening to this or watching this, we're going to put a link to a blog post about what cost segregation is. He kind of explained it here a little bit, but just for more details if you want to know. So high level, 
mobile home, the actual mobile home is depreciable on the same schedule as an apartment building, but you probably, I don't think, would get the same level of depreciation since the mobile home takes up less of the land in terms of dollar amount than the compared to apartment building. And talk to your accountant, not us, about yeah. this. <laughs> That's the real thing. Talk to your accountant, not us. I've never bought a mobile home. Don't plan on it. All right, let's keep rolling. Okay, so we have a question from a listener, and this actually kind of coincides with what I was talking about earlier about kind of stumbling through collecting rent when you're taking over a property. So this is Kyle, and he's trying to do his first deal, which is a 14-unit complex. And he says the complex is solid cash flowing. It's a mom-and-pop property, and... One of the things I haven't quite figured out with a property manager yet is how we will collect rent. This is a C-class property. I did not see a single computer in our walkthrough, so paying online is out of the question. From talking to the owner, a few of them don't have bank accounts. The current owner literally drives up there to collect cash payments and hands them a receipt. One of the great things about this property is that over half the tenants have been there longer than three years, and with another four to five tenants even haven't been there for ten plus years. So I don't want to disrupt this longevity too much. Our plan over time is to slowly change this setup with the new leases. Good idea. One thing to note is there are not any 7-Elevens around, so they are unable to pay cash at 7-Eleven through Appfolio. There's quick trip in walking distance and then a Bank of America not too far from the property either. Do you have any ideas? So I guess I'm assuming old demographic, it looks like the current owner was just going door to door and collecting cash payments for when he's trying to figure out how to go about collecting rent if you were to take over the property. If you have any ideas. Well, aren't you living that right now? I am now? living that right now. You mean you have, he have, he's looking at 14, yet you just bought 12. Yeah. So what are you doing? So on the day of the property, I wrote a letter just kind of saying I'm the new site manager. I got a template online, which I'll, I'll put a link to that in this show notes for Kyle and for anyone else that wants to use it. But very basic template just says, you know, I'm the new site manager, your lease and everything else will stay the same. The only thing that will change is how we're going to collect rent, which we'll outline below. Here's my contact information, boom. And then I say for rent payments, our preferred method of collecting rent is online through cozy.co. Can you please send me an email by this date so that I can set up an account for you? If you do not want to pay online or unable to pay online, please call me so that we can set up another form of payments. And then I went into you know how you do maintenance requests and a couple other miscellaneous items. And I think I heard back from 4 the 11 by Tuesday, which was the day that I wanted them to respond by. So I gave them Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then... Marcella said this was stupid of me to do, but I did it anyway because I, I was doing it from, for the actually residents' benefit because I didn't want them to have any late fees or anything. And I wanted to have everything set up a week before it was actually due. So with people that didn't respond, I put another note on there, a lot shorter, and it just said, I put a note on your door on this day to have you send me information by you know, Tuesday. I haven't heard back from you yet. Could you please email me or call me immediately so we can set up rent so you don't have to pay any late fees? And I put that on their door and I wrote immediate action required on there. I didn't really think about it because I'm like a very blunt and straight to the point person. So like my intentions weren't to say, if you don't pay me up, I'm going to yep. give you a late fee. But <laughs> one resident, so this is a mistake, one resident called me up last night and leave like a really long voicemail claiming that I like threatened her. And most of it was her kind of just talking about, I work 12-hour days and this is my life and things like that, which is, you know, fair enough, it's fine. But my recommendation, I guess, for others is to make sure you word your letters from the perspective of the tenant and not from your perspective and think how they are going to perceive what you're actually writing to them. I guess own overall idea, but I've got about half the people in line because they said that they would do it. Before, obviously, they were all paying 
through check, through money order. Mm-hmm. And the other half are going to pay through through check. And I went to the post office instead of a P.O. box because I don't want them mailing it to my house. And so I gave them the P.O. box address and one half will pay online, the other half will pay through the P.O. box. And then as they bring in new tenants, there's going to be a requirement that they do the Cozy.co. And the lease, their leases doesn't say that. And so, again, so I guess succinctly, Cozy.co will allow you to do automated rent payments where they can use a credit card, a debit card, or a bank account. And then for people that don't have emails or don't have the internet, I would just do a, a, I create a P.O. box at your local post office and then have them send their rent checks there. And in addition to that mailing process, have them have a receipt at the post office that it was mailed and have them send that to you every month via text or email. Well, I don't know if they have email. Who knows? But they have a phone, mm-hmm. I would think. So via text, if you want to get in the weeds like this, which if I had 12 units, I probably would just to make sure things are set up and then maybe later don't have them text you. But have them do a receipt that shows they mailed it to the P.O. box, which literally, if it's the post office next door, or if it's the post office near them, they're literally just handing it to them and that person's just walking around the corner <laughs> inserting it in the post. They should have done that. I should have set the P.O. box up right next to the apartment. Yeah. The building. Because I didn't mind then just right around the corner. Yeah. Something else that I was thinking of too that's smart because I was trying to figure out what we were going to do because I was online will know when they submitted it but in the lease it says that it needs to be dated by the 3rd because in the lease yeah. they have until the 3rd to pay the rent. And I was wondering if someone could just go in there on the 5th and just write the 3rd and then submit the check and we'd have no idea. But if you do it through what you just said, if we have them do a receipt, then it'll say the date on the receipt. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we start having issues with late rent this month, well, that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to do the receipts. Yeah. Or not receiving it at all. It got lost in the mail. You get lost in the mail, yeah. Right. That's another. Okay. Cool. So that should wrap up your question. Find some miscellaneous things. Do we have any upcoming interviews that we can talk about? I'm interviewing an entrepreneur who is also a WNBA star today, and that will go live, I'm not sure when. Her name is Tamika. I forget her last name, but I'm looking forward to talking to her about what she's doing. I mean, she's clearly a high achiever within sports, but also as an entrepreneur. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. I was at the gym the other day because I used to work out a lot, and I found this point. And I was thinking about, oh man, like I wonder if I was as strong as I was when I was in my peak shape, I could have like you know walked out the basketball team or the football team at Ohio State. And I was thinking, but how would I have done all that working out for sports, and then also take classes at the same time, and also do my extracurricular activities, and I have no clue how student athletes do it. Like, you know, yeah. So maybe that'd be a question to ask: How do you balance mm-hmm. the almost full-time job of being an athlete plus a full-time job of being a student, plus wanting to be a young person having fun and enjoying school? I will um, ask that. Thank you for that. I've always been curious about that. I know at my, at my school, some of the people just didn't really go to class, but I'm sure she did. She's be successful. And finally, as usual, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and, and leave a review to have your chance of being the review of the week this week. The review we selected is from, the name is Ola, the apartment indicator. He said, as an investor, I can't get enough of real estate, so Joe is perfect for me to remain abreast with the investing community. I still get to learn something every day. Keep doing what you're doing. Love it. And I can say the same thing. I obviously read the transcripts or listen to the podcast every single day, too. And every single time, 
There's like something new that you learn. Like, oh, okay, I didn't even think about that whatsoever. And just kind of some of these conversations. I've got all these different things going on. And it's like, oh, yeah, you just, you know, get a receipt. And, oh, yeah. How do I think about that? <laughs> so, uh, well, I learned the receipt thing from Linda Libatori, okay. Secure Pay One, <laughs> the sponsor of this episode, when I interviewed her about this. It's just knowledge sharing. And information is out there. It's so easy to get information, but it's not as easy to get the right information. And that's the whole point behind this podcast is the no fluff, best real estate investing advice ever, and then try and narrow in on the best insights. And that's what we attempt to do with the show. And then on these episodes, kind of share that and share them with you. So, And that episode hasn't aired yet. That's why you hadn't heard about that. Okay. Yeah, with, with Linda, that's why. So, all right. Well, enjoyed this episode. Hope you did too. Best ever listeners. Hope you have a best ever weekend. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener. And guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.